On today's episode, we dive back into our menstrual series talking about birth control. We are covering all contraceptive hormonal birth controls today and non-hormonal birth controls and dive into the side effects, the pros and cons of them, and cover all the major ones on the market today. So tune in to learn all about what you might be on and what it could be doing to the body. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Of menstrual Mondays. Today yes. we are going to break down all of the different types of birth control. And this is actually going to be a two-part series because we're going to go over actual types of birth control, hormonal, non-hormonal, IUD, so on and so forth. Yep. And next week we will talk about alternatives to birth control mm-hmm. because it gets kind of wild. Yeah. Some of them are a little weird uh-huh. for sure. Some of them are a little like, I don't want to do that and go through that process of like prior to sex, like the, being the, like, hold please. Let me go insert this. The gel that you yeah. put into yourself. That's yep. kind of odd. Some of it works very strangely. Um, but there is also research around male birth control that will be coming out, I believe soon. And Dr. Laura Bryden, I think can talk to that a little bit more when she's on our podcast in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, let's put some of the responsibility back on men. I, I argue with this the other night with Nick, not argue, but I was like, you know, he was listening and I was yelling. And <laughs> it was basically like, I can only get pregnant like five days of the week of the month, every month. You can create pregnancy every day of the month. And so why am I the one that's suffering that has to take this birth control or should have to take this birth control? I don't obviously, but like I have to do all of the effort and the work. And so I love my husband and I actually have another friend that was joking on this. And I was like, all men, I think, think this. So I have a, um, it's kind of similar to a daisy thermometer. So daisy yeah. is an alternative medicine uh, or alternative medicine, an alternative form of birth control that we'll talk about on that episode. But it basically you take your temperature and every morning and then you um, track it and you can track like ovulation cycle. And so Nick called it my vagina thermometer because he thought that it goes in your vagina. And so does my friend. So did my friend's husband. Like he was, I was like, that doesn't, what? I don't just keep it on my bedside and everything. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, I have one of those basal thermometer things too. And I just gave up on it, honestly, because I always get out of bed before I take it. And you have to take it before you get out of bed. So I'm using my aura ring to track. I've got some ovulation test strips and so on and so forth. But um, my husband does not understand that that thermometer is for your basal temperature. And so it's in Marcus's stuff and it keeps reoccurring into Marcus's stuff. And I'm like, this is not for Marcus. This is for me. Leave it in the drawer. Either that or Marcus now, because he goes through like all of our drawers, just keeps taking it out. He loves playing with thermometers because oh, we were on our walk to Starbucks the other day and I just have to tell the story because um, it was so cute. So I was asking him, you know, what would you like to sing? Are we going to sing our ABCs? Do you want to sing Humpty Dumpty and so on and so forth? So we sang our ABCs 
And then we were kind of talking after and I said, Marcus, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because we saw the garbage truck and he loves garbage trucks. And so the guy stopped, he showed him how you dump, you know, the garbage into the back of the truck and he honked at him and he was just having, you know, the time of his life. I said, well, Marcus, you're not going to be a garbage man when you grow up. So what would you like to be when you grow up? And he says, I'm going to be a doctor. So we go down this, I'm giving him some ideas. I said, are you going to fix boo-boos? You know, do you want to do surgeries? Do you want to help people maybe that have, you know, heart surgeries or heart issues? And he said, yeah, I'm going to fix hearts. Oh, I was like, oh, my heart's just like melts. So they're so fun. But anyways, so, all right, before we dive into this, we have to just put out the disclaimer. This is not medical advice. We want to educate you and empower you so that you have informed consent. Mm -hmm. That is the purpose of this series. And we want to help you make the best decision for you and also give you knowledge and information for you to discuss with your doctor. So you might want to, you know, continue to stay on birth control or utilize contraceptives as a form of birth control. And that's absolutely okay. But maybe through these you know, episodes, you're learning things and you are able to have a better, more educated conversation with your doctor. If you advocate for yourself, what I have found, at least with both of my OBGYNs, if I come in and I have a conversation with them and I come at it from a curious perspective, they are very, very open. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mine have been great. My old doctors were not. I did not like my old group where I used to live um, that delivered Carson. My new doctor in Elgin, I love. They're, it's an all-female um, group. They are very forward-thinking with everything. They're very open to like, what do you want? Um, and so I, I love them. And they're very willing to test what I want to, which is yes. great. Um, and if your doctor isn't, find a new doctor. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of doctors out there, guys. Yeah. Like find another one with a network, whatever. But you need to have someone that's on your side and that is willing to work with you and not just talking to you. So you got to be willing to stand up for yourself. And yeah. we wanted to t- definitely talk today because birth control is handed out like candy. It is ridiculous how just freely it is given to people, in my opinion, um, without any indication of like, there are side effects of this. There are things that can happen from taking this. It's basically, you know, this is the birth control that we tend to give out the most at our office. This is the one I'm going to recommend. You need to consider lifestyle and we're going to talk about all that all of that you need to kind of consider what is going to be best for you um and it is all individual like liz and i have worked with many people that you know seemingly feel fine on the depot shot which is a progestin injection which we'll talk about we know other people that have come off of it and bled for months straight and have gained excessive amounts of weight like you need to figure out what's best for you and that is something that you probably have to take into your own hands to do the research and experiment with different, you know, birth controls potentially. So we talked a little bit about last episode around birth control and how it is a big, important breakthrough, like us to have the ability to prevent unwanted pregnancies, to manage potential symptoms of depending on certain situations. I think that it is extremely important that birth control has become available and we can get it as females. The problem is that it's been prescribed for a lot of things that it's kind of being used as a band-aid to cover up symptoms and we're being told that it's solving symptoms. And that's what I don't like is that we are being told something that is not true. So things like acne, bad periods, PCOS, endometriosis, we'll kind of be touching on PCOS and endometriosis with Dr. Bryden. Um, But basically birth control should not be used to manage symptoms in most cases. So 
let's talk about the options. Let's talk about what they do within the body. We're going to cover hormonal and non-hormonal, and we're going to start with the most common, the hormonal pill. Okay. Mm. So usually when doctors say the pill, they're referring to the combination pill. There's two different forms of pills. There's a mini pill, which is progestin only. We'll talk about that next. And then there's the pill, which is estrogen, technically an ethanol estradiol, which is a chemical form, and progestin. And it's important to note that there are two kinds of birth control pills, combination and the progestin only, like I said. So the hormones found in the pill are not identical to the ones in your body. No, they're synthetic. They are not working the same as your natural hormones. And this is also why when you have a air quote here, period, it's not your actual period. It is a breakthrough bleed. And we're going to ask Dr. Bryden about that too, because she is the expert in this field and she's written a lot uh, on this, but it's really, really important to understand that. And I can attest to this after being on birth control for years and now being off birth control for about six months, my periods are nothing like they were on the IUD. I will also say though, and I forgot to mention this, I believe in the other podcast episode, If you're somebody who's like feeling guilty because you've been on birth control and you're listening to this now and you're like, man, you know, I wish I would have known these things. I got to get off of this, you know, quickly understand that again, you have to make the right decision for you. I chose to have the IUD replaced because we did not want to have another child right away. And that was my choice even with all of the knowledge and education that I have. But there is something that's called post-birth control syndrome. And so some people coming off of birth control do have you know, other symptoms and kind of have a hard time. I will say I truly attest the work that I've done to my gut health and the nutrition um, that I have changed over the course of the years. I have not had any of the symptoms I had before going on birth control as a teenager come back. I have not had the acne. I just started my period today. I have zero breakouts. I have not had the cramps. I have not had um, the heavy bleeding. It is you know, a little bit different, I think, now compared to where it was in my teens, but it was heavy for like seven days in my teens. And so I think at that point in time, it was warranted because of the uh, heavy bleeding. However, we just want to make sure that everybody understands that nutrition plays a huge role and you can manage some of these symptoms without getting a Band-Aid you know, of uh, birth control. Because again, these hormones are not the natural you know, hormone. They are the synthetic version of progesterone and estrogen. Yep. And so it doesn't provide the same benefits either of natural estrogen or progesterone. And we're going to talk about this too, especially in perimenopause. But the reason that we see people's mood and you know cognitive abilities, their brain health, their memory, water retention, and other symptoms not really totally resolve themselves or improve fully, it's because these are not your natural, you know, hormones. These are synthetics. And mm-hmm. so there are, you know, couple different uh, types of birth control out here that are combination. And what you'll kind of notice is that some of the active and inactive pills in your pack really depend upon the brand. For me, when I was on the pill, I always had the 21 days of active pills and seven days of the placebo. But other pills have 24 days of active pills and then four placebos. And so your breakthrough bleed occurs during that uh, placebo week. And then again, understand that this is not your period. This is a withdrawal bleed from that medication. And so we have also seen, and I have 
done this uh, myself in the past. When I studied abroad, my doctor prescribed, you know, four or five months of Mm. pills for me. And then she said, it's basically up to you if you want to have a breakthrough bleed or because you're traveling, you're studying abroad, you don't want to deal with it. You can keep taking your active pills and then essentially skip the bleed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can kind of start to see like the combination birth control pill comes in two different dosages. So monophasic and multiphasic. So monophasic is the same dose of estrogen and progestin in each active pill. Multiphasic, the doses vary. Okay. So the pill, like we've talked about, essentially works by shutting down the signaling from the brain to the ovaries, which prevents ovulation. There's also low-dose birth control pills. So low-dose refers to pills that contain less than 50 micrograms of ethanol estradiol, which is common among modern pills prescribed. It's important to understand that while the newer generations of pills have lower estrogen compared to the original, it's still enough hormones to alter your brain. Like I'm, They might even say like this is better because it's less hormones. <clears throat> It's still driving the same dysfunction of the communication. So how effective is the pill? You will often hear it's 99% effective if it is taken perfectly. Most people do not take the pill perfectly. You might forget to take it. You might take it outside of that window of you know three to four hours at the same time every single day. And in that case, how most women take it, it's about 91% effective at preventing pregnancy. So here's the thing. Are there people who shouldn't be on the pill? Yes, there are people who have health health risks that, if present, should be like a hard no. And this is according to the CDC and the WHO. This is according to our governmental health agencies. I will stop there and not say anything else. That is who this is according to, okay? If you are older than 35 years old and you are smoking consistently more than 15 cigarettes per day, I hope that no one listening to this podcast does that, but if you are, you should not be taking birth control. Blood clots or increasing clotting risks. If you are someone that has an increasing risk for clotting, you should not be on the birth control pill. History of stroke, coronary heart disease, current breast cancer, current liver disease, liver cancer, pulmonary hypertension, migraines, multiple risk factors, or arterial cardiovascular disease, such as old age smoking, diabetes, hypertension, and hypertension are commonly known as as high blood pressure, where systolic is greater than 160 or diastolic is greater than 100. So if you have high blood pressure, if you have clotting risks, if you have cardiovascular disease, and if if you deal with a lot of migraines, you should not be on the birth control pill. Those are risks that basically the benefits do not outweigh the negative side effects that you might be experiencing. Okay, so that is when this should not be used. And another one actually is malabsorptive bariatric surgery. So if you've had bariatric surgery, you are basically at a state of malabsorption because your body cannot go through the same digestive process as it should because of the surgery. And so it is actually not recommended that you take the pill as well um, because it limits the pill's nutrient. The pill is highly nutrient depleting as a drug, like the, the birth control pill causes nutrient depletions. And because you're already dealing with a level of nutrient depletion because of the surgery, you should not be on the pill. Yep. So let's talk about some of the positives of the pill, though, because, you know, we want to understand that there are side effects, there are risks, but there's also things that, you know, are positive uh, regarding the pill and hormonal birth control. We want to cover a couple of things here that, you know, in some situations, it can be beneficial for us to be on the pill. So outside of the, you know, pregnancy prevention, there are other benefits associated with birth control use. So decreases in the amount of blood loss, which can reduce anemia. 
I know for me as a young uh, child, this was something my doctor was very concerned about because I was losing a lot of blood with very heavy bleeds. It can also decrease the length of your period. So for some individuals, if they're having very, very long cycles and they're bleeding for days or weeks, um, that can be you know, one benefit of the pill. You can also decrease pain with bleeding as well. That was something that was very helpful for me because I used to have severe pain with my cycles. Also decreased risk of endometrial cancer, ovarian cancer, ab- ability to stop having a period, as I already mentioned, decreased acne outbreaks. This is one thing that I went on birth control for and one thing that we see a lot, especially with the women that we work with when they talk to us about their daughters going on birth control because of, you know, acne. There's other there's other ways though, ladies, <laughs> that we can manage that. Um, decrease decreased occurrence of ovarian cyst. So some women though, it is worth noting that they will experience an increase in ovarian cyst. It can also help with the management of endometriosis, help some women with menstrual migraines. On the flip side of this, some of the migraines get worse. You can also suppress androgens by taking the contraceptive uh, hormonal birth control, which can be helpful in the symptom management of PCOS and then also in turn prevent unwanted uh, hair growth. Yep. So there are some disadvantages though. We talked about who should not be on the birth control pill, but we need to talk about the disadvantages of it. One, you have to remember to take it daily. It does not protect against sexually transmitted diseases. No birth control forms do. Um, Even condoms, I believe, are like, it's not 100%. Um, It is associated with adverse mood changes. It can lead to nutrient deficiencies like we already talked about. It increases the risk of developing certain autoimmune conditions. It can lead to blood clots, strokes, and heart attacks. Increased risk of liver cancer, brain cancer, and breast cancer. It changes the structure of chemistry of your brain. Yes, it is actually, I I don't know if we actually talk much about this in this podcast, but I want to note there is a large correlation in research between birth control pill and then eventually going on depression and anxiety medication because it changes the brain chemistry. It changes neurotransmitter production. So something to know of. Um, You can also lose your libido experience vaginal dryness or head pain with sex can cause worse and um, melasma, which is like a hyperpigmentation of the skin. Um, It disrupts adrenal health. It can impact thyroid function. It can cause leaky gut and gut dysbiosis. It can increase your risk of gallbladder disease. It can be really difficult to break up with post birth control syndrome. We will talk about that on another podcast. Um, And it increases blood pressure. It can increase blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes and yeast overgrowth in the mouth, gut, and vagina. So it can lead to like candida, yeast overgrowths, really nasty gut stuff that you might deal with. Um, Yeast infections, if you deal with consistent yeast infections. So there's a lot of, you know, downsides mm-hmm. and like you got to weigh the costs for yourself. You really do. And I totally get the pregnancy fear. Um, but really think about like, are there other options? The next one, the mini pill. Okay. So we talked about the mini pill differs from combination birth control in two ways. It contains progestin only, whereas the combination contains progestin and that chemical form of estrogen. And every pill is active. There are no placebo pills. Okay. So I actually was on the mini pill after Carson and I actually got it prescribed after Taylor, but I have not taken it. Um, I kind of had it as like in that moment, I've been very fearful of getting pregnant again. I was pregnant for a very long time. I feel like if we had another child, I'd have to quit my job because we just cannot afford another child in daycare right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so I've had a lot of fears around pregnancy, but I just, I really don't want to go back on the pill. This is typically prescribed postpartum. This is one of the most common ones that's prescribed postpartum. And it's also often prescribed if you have underlying medical conditions that makes taking estrogen dangerous. Um, so blood clotting and breast cancer are two big ones. Yep. So because progestin-only oral contraceptives contain only progestin, it is advised to take them within the same three-hour window every day. This is why I don't take the pill because I was forgetting sometimes I would just like completely miss the alarm on my phone. Just take seven at once because you forget a week of <laughs> like, well, this isn't this isn't going too well with consistency. So that's why I ended up switching to the other forms of birth control back in the day. But um, while some women on the combination pills choose to skip the placebo pills altogether, this is not an option for those who are on the mini pill because again, all of them are active. So all of the 28 uh, pills are going to contain the progestin hormone. So when we look at pregnancy, and pregnancy prevention, the estimation for the effectiveness is again between 91 and 99%. And so the reason why this works without estrogen is because progestin is effective at thickening the cervical fluid and preventing sperm from traveling to the potential egg. So you can read more about this. We're going to link out some articles uh, in the show notes if you really want to dive into that. But it's important to understand that progestin is found in the majority of contraceptive methods, which means if you're experiencing issues from this hormone, then you may also have issues with other forms of birth control as well. I remember way back in the day, I think I was 14 or 15, maybe even a little bit younger when I first went on um, birth control. And my doctor did end up giving me like three or four different types trying to figure out which one was going to work and be effective. Um, and so just know like if you are reacting to progestin, you're probably going to react to all the other combination pills as well because they still contain progestin. So you may need to look into you know some non-hormonal uh, mm -hmm. options. And so- yeah. Let's talk about some of the other things besides the pills. So we've got the implant, we've got the IUD, we've got some other things. Um, so let's dive into, I'm going to let Becca talk about the implant um, and then I'll talk a little more on the IUD. Yeah. So the birth control implant is, and the names of the brands are Implanon and Ex Nexplanon. So the implant is a small rod that's inserted into the upper arm just under the skin that releases progestin into the body. So you obviously need to visit a doctor to have this put in and removed. Um, the removal part can actually sometimes be an issue because some women whose insurance chart changes and like doesn't cover the procedure. But anyways, releasing progestin, the implement prevents ovulation. And like Liz was saying, it thickens the cervical mucus so that sperm cannot reach the eggs. Implants also have a very long lifespan. They can last up to four years having this inside your body. They are 99% effective at preventing pregnancy because obviously you don't have to remember to take it every day. It's in your body. It's releasing. It should be noted, Implanon is no longer available in the U.S. Nexplanon is the only one currently available. And I want to touch on really briefly, it is very common for not only birth controls, but drugs in general to be released to the public and then a few years later be taken off the market because they have realized that it causes too many issues with people, deaths, sickness, whatever negative side effects happen. And so just understand that. Like that's what we also want to be careful of is that some of these drugs that are especially our newer drugs don't always go through the most extensive testing and they get put on the market and we are kind of the guinea pigs and then potentially and that's why I always see those ads like, you know, 7 years down the line, have you been harmed by this drug, whatever, call this lawyer like 
we need to understand that we sometimes have to also take responsibility for what we're putting in our body, on our body, whatever it might be, because unfortunately, drug companies don't always test things as thoroughly as we would hope they would. There's always a risk. To always everything <laughs> to always. everything that we do um and Ex- side effects we can talk about that <laughs> yes so <laughs> the side effects local obviously because it's put in your arm bruising pain swelling infection redness systemic side effects headaches longer shorter or missing periods changes in breast or breast pain weight gain acne emotional kind of like exaggerated changes in mood abdominal pain and nausea are all side effects that could possibly happen with the implant. I know a couple of people who have had the implant and um, didn't have too many issues with it and yeah. they you know, liked it. Uh, I don't have any complaints, I think, f- about that. Um, speaking of the you know, IUD and things that you are putting into your body, so I was on the Mirena. I actually had three Mirenas. Um, I did not use them all to their full capacity of the, the five years. I think you can actually go up to six years now, they're saying. Um, but I have had three of them. They are small teeth shaped devices that are inserted into your uterus. If you are going to get an IUD, my best advice to you is to take some ibuprofen or Tylenol Mm -hmm. before you go because it is painful. They actually dilate you to 10 centimeters to be able to insert this device. I I did not know that. mm Mm-hmm. It's not that fun. Um, I also joked with uh, my husband that it's my butterfly that pushes things down so that things don't um, meet each other and you know turn into a baby. But um, the hormonal IUD does contain progestin, a synthetic version again of progesterone. And then you have another non-hormonal IUD, which is the copper IUD that does not have any hormones, um, but it does work by creating inflammation uh, in the uterus. So One of the benefits of IUDs is that they do last a long time. So the progestin IUD can last up to six years, and then the copper IUD can last up to 12 years. 99% effective at preventing pregnancy. Uh, I personally liked it because I didn't have to think about it. Um, Most people do not have breakthrough bleeds on the IUDs, but... Dr. Jolene Brighton talks about uh, that you can, the IUD is one of the only forms of birth control that you can ovulate on. So for, in my experience, uh, the first couple of years with the first IUD, I did not have any symptoms. I didn't have any breakthrough bleeds, no acne, no mood swings, no nothing. It was beautiful at that time. So I thought, Uh, but with the other ones, uh, I have always had a regular 28 day cycle. And I know when I ovulate, I do see that with my body temperature as well, or I did, I should say. So there are a few types of IUDs. As I mentioned, there's uh, the Mirena, Kylina, Skyla, and the Liletta. So I had the Mirena. I can't speak to the other ones. Now, I feel that I have to share the due diligence here to let everyone know you need to research the IUD. I will not be going back on hormonal birth control, nor would I put another IUD in my body, primarily because things can shift and you can um, have the IUD shift to a place where you have to get it surgically removed. I actually had a scare with this with my last IUD. I felt for the last three months I was on it, something was just off. Something really did not feel right in my body. The moment that IUD was taken out of me, I felt instantly better. I cannot explain it to you. Uh, My niece had a very similar experience. Mm -hmm. My sister-in-law had to have an IUD surgically removed. And so you need to understand the risk of, you know, implanting something into your body. And I've heard this before with the 
you know, the implant as well, where it kind of shifts and moves uh, in your arm, your arm's a little different than your vagina and your uterus, right? So just understand that there are risks here. And then, you know, you also have to watch out for the non-hormonal form because that is copper and Mm -hmm. copper can become toxic to the body. Yeah. So the the IUD can actually bust through your uterus. So like it attaches to your uterus and it can actually burst through it. Um, it can also be kicked out by your uterus. <laughs> your, your uterus can be like, F you IUD, get out of here. Um, not in my house. So the op- the copper IUD is associated with a 3 to 10% risk of expulsion in the first year. The hormonal IUD comes with a 3 to 6% expulsion rate in the first year. Um, and then you can have unpredictable periods on it. Uh, there is a breast cancer risk with IUDs, depression risk with hormonal birth control, and then the copper IUD side effects, um, period problems. You can have heavy, painful periods. And then like Liz was saying, copper toxicity, pelvic inflammatory disease. Um, so there are definitely some risks to taking the IUDs. Um, but I, I, I think that that's probably one of the most common ones right now that most people are on. Um, so the next one is the birth control shot. So this is known as the depot Vera shot. Um, and this is administered every three months. So it contains the hormone progestin and it basically contains a big dose of progestin, which helps prevent pregnancy, like obviously. Um, and this can actually be taken at the clinic or you can administer it at home to yourself. Um, so with typical use, this is about 94% effective at preventing birth control. I'm sorry, preventing pregnancy. Side effects, irregular bleeding, continuous bleeding is what we've seen most common. Um, headaches, Weight gain is another one we've actually seen. Mood changes, dizziness, bloating, loss of libido, and bone loss. So you can actually start to develop like some level of osteoporosis with this. Um, So definitely, in my experience at least, and I'm not sure if it's because it is a large influx of progestin that you're getting with the shot, I've seen the worst side effects from Depot. That's the the one Mm -hmm. birth control that I've seen the worst from. Um, The next is the birth control patch. So this resembles a bandage. It can be stuck to the belly, the butt, the upper arm, the back. It's kind of like a combination pill. It releases both estrogen and progestin, and it must be changed weekly. So it's worn for three consecutive weeks. Then a week must be taken off from the patch. So you change it every week for three weeks, and then you take a week off. Once the week is up, a new patch is applied. The cycle is repeated. 91% effective. I did the patch for a while. Yep. How big is it? uh, It's like a square maybe mm, at least the one that I had was maybe like one and a half by one and a half. Maybe okay. it's not super big. Um, so side effects though of this clots, heart attack, stroke, liver cancer, gallbladder disease, high blood pressure, abnormal bleeding again, breast pain or tenderness, headaches, migraines, abdominal pain, uterine cramping, weight gain, skin irritation, nausea or vomiting, acne, muscle spasms, fatigue, dizziness, diarrhea, or changes in digestion, vaginal infections or changes in in discharge, fluid retention, aka water retention, and then changes in mood. Are we seeing some common trends here, yes. ladies? Um, the last one that we're going to cover today is the NuvaRing. I also did. Uh, you had a lot of birth control. <laughs> I had a variety of birth control. So in the beginning, they were trying to figure out what yeah. one was going to be best. And then when I became sexually active, uh, I forgot to take my pill quite frequently. And so I said, what are my other alternatives? And therefore went to the patch for a little bit and then went to the NuvaRing. NuvaRing, um, so this was actually when Art and I, you know, I think we were first married that I had the NuvaRing for a little bit. The male can feel it. Um, and so I would say that's a side effect if you have a, you know, 
partner and you are active and you want it to be pleasurable, maybe it's not as pleasurable for the male because they can feel it. So interesting. Anyways. Interesting. But the Nuva ring is a vaginal ring. Again, it's similar to the combination pill in terms of the hormones that contain, you know, it has estrogen and progestin in it. Um, and so it's a small ring that's inserted into your vagina for three weeks. So you have to do this yourself and then you remove it for a week. So with typical use, this gives you about 91% effectiveness at preventing pregnancy, but you're going to have, you know, all of the other side effects that we've already discussed with other forms of birth control, as well as a few additional ones. So vaginal irritation, itching, or discharge, vaginal infections. Um, it could also cause hair loss, um, changes in your appetite, and then uh, increased hair growth on the body and as well as loss of libido. So those were a few additional side effects compared to some of the other ones that we ran through. That's interesting because hair loss on the head and hair growth on the body is really representative of like an high androgen levels. Correct. So I'm curious, I wonder if maybe we can ask that to Dr. Brighton. Curious why the Nuva ring in particular drives a little bit more of what we see with like PCOS type symptoms mm-hmm. um, in terms of, and you know what else I'm really curious about? I mean, your body obviously absorbs what is in it, what is put on it. But to me, it's like, how does this scientifically work? Mm -hmm. How does this like, how are we putting this thing in us? Because I understand the pill. You know, the pill is like, you take it daily, it has a certain level of hormones, you absorb those hormones through the gut, whatever. But the progestin that's in your arm and the the Nuva ring, Mm -hmm. I understand the IUD, but the Nuva ring and the progestin in the arm and the Depro-Provera, to me, it's like, okay, this thing's in you and it's just constantly exerting levels. Like how? That's to me, so this w- is why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> With the implant, I could see that it's like a slow release. Think mm-hmm. about like that Tylenol yep. or even people who are on Adderall, the slow release, uh, timed release kind of thing. I could see that with, you know, the... Uh, the deeper shot and the... But the deeper shot's a three-month shot. Sorry, not the deeper shot. I was thinking the implant. I could yes. see that with the implant and I could yeah. see that with the IUD. I can also see it with the Nuvering mm-hmm. um, just because it's sitting in you and then yeah. you're just gradually like absorbing. What's yeah. It? yeah, it's just to me, it's like, how is the dosage regulated? How Like, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just really s- skeptical and critically thinking around this. But, but to me, it's just like, I don't understand how this works. Mm-hmm. So anyways... Um, Hopefully that was helpful to understand like maybe what you're on, what some of the side effects are, are they worth it, the benefits, and we will talk on another episode around one, if you want to come off of birth control, if that is what your choice is and that what you feel, that's what you feel is best for you, what you can do to support your body while you come off of it. And then we'll also talk a little bit about natural things that you can do to manage some maybe negative symptoms you do have even while on birth control, like really bad periods still, migraines, whatever it might be. We're going to talk about some natural solutions for those on another episode and things that you can do to hopefully prevent you know, the nutrient, the level of nutrient deficiency that some people reach when they're on this and all of, you know, the, the side effects that end up happening. So we will be getting to those, but obviously we wanted to do one just kind of breaking down like I feel like we're a drug commercial talking about all the side effects really fast. Right. As I was reading through some of that, I was like, I feel like I should get into like my TV commercial voice that is like, just a disclaimer, you might die. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously though, if you read the bottom mm-hmm. disclaimer on the television commercial, it's like, you know, can increase blood clots, uh, cardiovascular disease, <laughs> blah, 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 and death. 
I know. I know. You just left off that very, very important risk here that Mm -hmm. you might die. Um, No, but I think in in all seriousness, guys, if you have other questions too. So as we mentioned, Dr. Laura Bryden is going to be coming on the show with us. We are so honored. So, so excited to have her on. We're going to be interviewing her mid-June. So if you have questions that you would like to submit and you would like us to ask her specifically, or you want us to do a little bit more research around, um, we are happy to do so. Just shoot us an email, info at fitmomlife.com. We're having so much fun with this series, to be honest. There's so much that you can dive into. I think Beck and I both have spent about eight to 10 hours each reading and researching and you know pulling notes together and listening to other podcasts and going back to some of the books that we've uh, read from Dr. Bryden, Dr. Brighton um, as well, because this stuff is just so fascinating from the you know female mm-hmm. perspective. And we just, again, we want to educate and empower. So if this has been helpful for you, please share it with your family, your friends, all the females that need to hear this. And if you do so, please tag us on Instagram or Facebook. And as a reminder, one of the best ways that you can help us grow this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and review. If you love the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you would leave us a five-star rating and review, either on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast, please do so. And if you don't like us, then just don't worry about that review. But if you do like us and you love listening to us three times a week, That would be such a gift uh, to us so that we can help reach others around the world. Have a great day, guys. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.